The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Hot tag the hellion! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of, well, still for now, the hot tag. We haven't, we haven't changed branding yet. So for now, still the hot tag, presented by the house show, presented by the run-in, presented by the Retro Network. And today, celebrating the second anniversary of the Retro Network. Not just one day, we're, we're kind of like a 18-year-old girl, we're going to celebrate it all month long. So I have been meaning to talk to this person for quite a while. I want to get the origins, I want to get the behind-the-scenes stories. And honestly, one of the people that, as the Retro Network has, has started, and even further back for my own podcasting and blogging, someone that I appreciate being brought into my life with things like this, with this community, because chances are we, we live far apart. I probably never would have met up with him, and he's just always been amazing to talk to, and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to talk to him one-on-one -on -one and for all of you to listen today. So today, co-founder of the Retro Network, Mickey, welcome to the show. Not only the co-founder, but the sizzle of the Retro Network. And, and Jason's the steak? That's right. Well, of, of our show, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not of the whole network. But. Why do I feel like if this was a grilling show, you and I would have to go multi-parts? Uh, probably because of all the pictures I put on their uh, <laughs> VIP lounge Slack channel from grilling. But I don't actually do a whole lot of it. It's just... You know, on the weekends. It's the only time I have time. No, but I feel you have certain truths and certain things that have to be done a certain way for it. The yeah. Stuff you've learned over the years. Mm -hmm. Make it just right. Oh, I tell you, with me and food, yeah, that is probably more so than the retro lifestyle. Food is probably my biggest hobby in life. So, always cooking, always tasting, always watching videos, always reading recipes. Yeah, I go way I, back with it. You know, I never thought of food as a hobby, but I mean, I can look at myself in the mirror and be aware I've collected enough of it. So <laughs> I guess I should count as a hobby. Well, like uh, when I say hobby, I collect, well, not collect. I have a collection, though, of old cookbooks from like churches that the ladies auxiliaries or whatever would put together from the 80s and stuff. And... A lot of cooking was from simpler times. And you look at the recipes, and you're like, dang, that looks good. <laughs> it's just, just from looking at the ingredients. And you, you make it, and you try it, and it's good. And you may never make it again, but uh, I don't know. It's a hobby. I like to cook different stuff for people. And believe me, when you come here, and some of our listeners can tell you this, like Tiny, um, I can put out a spread. That's that's for sure. You eat well, well when you're invited. Well, I think that's just all right. I'm, I'm gonna have you throw this out there, and then I'll continue with my point. So Jason really got me going with it to just give an idea of people's backgrounds for the show. I mean, I know a lot of them, but listeners don't always. If if you're comfortable telling it, of course. Mm -hmm. How old are you, and where were you brought up? Uh, I am 43 years old, but. I am perpetually stuck at around 18 to 19. 
and I have grown up in the Appalachian Mountains, the beautiful Appalachian Mountains, or as we call it around here, God's country. So, uh, not in a big city, not even in a big town, small town, outside of town, actually. Um, rural America is where I've been brought up. Close enough, though, to where, uh, you know, like WWE comes around, they're just an hour away. It's the closest big spot they come to. So we've always had the benefit of the charming Andy Griffith style lifestyle, but stuff is close enough to go enjoy the big city lights, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I have uh, my uncle is in South Carolina, which is the furthest south I've ever been, other than, you know, touristy places in Florida. And any visit for him, there is the, you know, let's go to a city and actually do stuff. But then there's also, let's go down this country road where we think something terrible is going to happen. Then you turn a corner and it's one of the best restaurants you've ever been in in your life. Mm -hmm. He knows from living there. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known in a million years that that was there. Oh, yeah. I spent so much of my life traveling. I have found some of the best restaurants are in the most out of the way, little known places you can imagine. Now, do you think, well, I'm going to double back for a second, then go forward again. For where you you were brought up, and you mentioning the spread, I do think that's something that is missing with my northern New York upbringing. Not that my family didn't do things or have gatherings or whatever, but there was food that I was used to or experiences that I was used to as a kid that I thought that's just how we do things. You know, it's immediate family, and we're cooking hamburgers on the grill, and they're a little more burnt than they should be and you know that's just how it was until you get dating really is when my eyes opened up and then when I went to college and met people from other places and traveled a little bit myself and then it's eye-opening for no this isn't how everyone does things so my any trips I've done to the south experiencing that it may as well have been going to another country as as far as customs like, I felt so nervous the first time I went to, you know, someone's house, like you're describing, all food laid out and everything, thinking, I, what am I supposed to do here? Did I bring anything? Did I bring enough of what I did bring? Where do I sit? I don't want to sit in the wrong place. What am I supposed to do? What are my obligations here? Like, just freaking out about not wanting to offend anyone there, me being, you know, an ignorant Yankee. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll give you a few quick, simple rules, not just for you, but for the people listening. If you're invited to someone's home in the South to eat, one, bringing something is always optional. Two, there will always be enough. You know, it's like uh, the loaves and fishes story from the Bible. There's always enough. I don't care how little and how many people people are going to share. There's always going to be enough. Uh, there's going to be something fried generally. So if that's not your cup of tea, eh, you know, speaking of tea, it's going to be very sweet. It's going to be make your eyes water sweet a lot of times. But uh, I've always found the best conversation, excluding what we're doing right now, the best conversation is always had over food. So that's one of the big draws to me is, is the food and the conversation. Well, I, you absolutely have a good point with food and conversation. As I'm planning on going to RetroCon later this year, I was looking at people's pictures. You know, a lot of whom are listening to this or part of our retro network, looking at people's pictures and tags and stuff. And I'm 
thinking it looks like most of the real fun of that was here's four or five, six people that I know at least half of them just going out for dinner somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's where the real fun and the conversation and all takes place, the bonding over the food. Right. Because Even if, people get to be on, a, on the same plane when you're sitting on opposite sides of the table eating a meal together. You know, uh, Anthony Bourdain, I'm sure you know who he was. Mm-hmm. Real famous in food world. <clears throat> There's a great video of him and Barack Obama in some foreign country in this little restaurant sharing a meal over a table. And they're just laughing and having a good time. This is the president of the free world, the leader of the free world, you know, uh, just sitting there with a TV host amongst regular Joes like you and I all around them in the restaurant. You end up on the same plane when you're sharing a table talking over a meal. It don't matter what you do or who you are or who the person across from you are is at that point in time, you're sharing the same experience. And I think that's magical is probably not the word, but it's, it's something special. I mean, it's a bonding thing. Even if you don't think you have something you can talk about, you can talk about how great the meal is and that can lead to all sorts of conversations. Oh, I haven't had food like this since my grandmother's house or my aunt's or my mom's. And then the discussion goes that way for, or, Oh, I haven't tasted something this good since I was in this city visiting someone. Oh, I've been there too. Like it it Mm -hmm. draws conversation out of people as well. It does. It gives you something to talk about when you never thought you'd have something to talk about with the person across from you. Well, and that's part of why I want to do this series too. And I, you know, it wasn't anything against you or, or where you live or anything, but our paths probably would not have crossed otherwise. You most know, just I for, for most people, you're right. Yeah, I I just I don't get out enough, really. <laughs> but you you know, you've kind of made the joke, but I think a little bit serious of a Mayberry lifestyle, growing up and everything. But what was because I I'm. I don't mean it as a four letter word or anything, but for you to be a part of this and and your own writing and word I've seen, you are a geek as well. Mm -hmm. So was, were you, cause I, I admit I'm picturing a more outside community, bike riding, you know, Mm -hmm. going on trips, fishing, hunting, whatever, as opposed to me being a latchkey child and TV was my babysitter. So what was growing up and when when did you kind of discover you might be a little bit of a geek, too, and not just into whatever whatever you would call normal, I would say. I think I've always known I've always been a geek before being a geek was cool. Right. So I knew that in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, watching wrestling wasn't cool to a lot of people. No, God, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I lived on it. Comic books, you know, they had the speculator boom in the 90s, but for the general mainstream, it wasn't cool, but I bought and read comics constantly. I was into trading cards. I had my toys and action figures. I liked sci-fi movies. Of course, I like all movies, but I liked sci-fi movies. The stuff that people like to congregate around and say is normal. Who wants to be normal? Everybody's normal. You know, I never thought about it as being different. It's just like, if you don't like watching Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, you've got the problem, not me. You know, it's, you're the one missing out. You're the one who's not normal if you don't like the stuff that I like. But I was outdoorsy. I'm still outdoorsy. 
it just, uh, I've always had a great appreciation for the stuff. If I like it, I really like it. And it's just stuck with me through the years. Case in point, Dukes of Hazard. You could be outdoors all day. Dukes of Hazard's on at 8 or 9 p.m. on Friday night. You're in watching it, and it's just stuck with me ever since. I can like the, the geeky stuff, movies, TV shows, and read comics and this and that, and still have all the other. You know, the stuff that you mentioned, the outdoorsy, the hunting, and the fishing, and the bike riding, and the four-wheeling, and the... I like it all. Now, would you say that you're... Well, growing up, it was more accepted or you had maybe a, a bigger friend base because part of it for me and that I've discovered through some other people I've talked to for this is eventually got to the point where, yeah, I can go out and, you know, ride my bike all day and go to parks and go hang outside and and any number of activities. But it got to the point where it was I'm not good enough at it, so I'm left behind or, you know, we're all going to be. I'm, you know, fill in this high school sports team and I'm not a part of it. So therefore I'm not a part of anything anymore. So would you say your area was more, there were more people that shared interests that you were kind of in many different camps. So you had more social interaction or did you maybe just grow up in a nicer area than I did where people are more pleasant? (laughs) Every area is going to have their, certain certain percentage of people who are just not nice to be around regardless of where you're at and how nice the area is so there's always that but i bounced around so many different camps you know i had my little comic book click i had my the friends who watched wrestling that we'd get together and talk and do stuff you know i had fishing buddies i had camping buddies and you know there was some crossover from different groups to other groups and this and that but they said I never felt shoehorned into being either a jock or an outdoorsman or a stay-at-home geek. Or, you know, I was all the above. <laughs> it was just kind of hard for me to explain because uh, I never looked at it as being shoehorned into anything. See, and for my upbringing, it just kind of was. I, I was always known as the comic geek. And then even um, like Educator, who I do house show with, we were... We had friends in common, but we didn't hang out until we discovered we had wrestling in common. Like, we both kept that secret while hanging out with other people. Mm -hmm. I think if there was any big community thing for me, and I know it's certainly not cool anymore in 2021, but was Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. Because we would do everything together, no matter what social groups or, or grades even that we were in high school, we might not ever hang out. But when we were there and on a trip, a jamboree, a camp out, whatever, we would band together. It might be to fight the other troop next campsite over, but we did it together. Right. <laughs> oh, but like something that would bond us. I think that was my, of course, like you said, there's always jerks in every community. But I think in more of an overall accepting uh, group. It wasn't in school. It wasn't in anything else. It wasn't the neighborhood. Like, I think Scouts was the only thing that brought me to us together. Maybe it was the outdoors part of it, too, honestly. Maybe it was, you know, us against nature, and we got to stick together for things. Mm-hmm. Someone's tent leaks. Let's all go into the one that isn't leaking. <laughs> right. Well, you know, around here, it, it was common, especially growing up. Uh, my dad was self-employed, and 
all of his friends were self-employed. I didn't know anything different, you know, uh, but they all work together on everything. If this guy's Bronco over here needed to have the engine pulled and repaired and replaced in a weekend so he could keep doing his thing, well, there'd be seven, eight people show up and three or four under the vehicle, three or four under the hood and get it done in a day and, you know, maybe grill a hot dog and eat together when they were done and everything was done together, it seemed like. See, and I think that it's kind of missing. Like, I I don't know my neighbors, some by choice, and some just I don't see them, you know, by wood talk if I did. Um, things like insurance, which we're all sick of paying, but it makes sense on a level like you're talking about, you know, for your father and that generation. Hey, everyone chips in. Someone needs a new vehicle, a new horse, a new barn to go way back with it. We have this community pool, this kitty to pull from to help out whoever needs help that year. And next year might be your turn to need help. And we're all together in the community. Now, it's not what the world's like now, unfortunately, <laughs> that we have to deal with every day. Well, in this area and in a lot of smaller rural areas with the farming community, you have a lot. Of, you still have a lot of co-ops, which is, you know, all the farmers are in it together. You've got the central store where they turn a profit selling a lot of stuff. But if this farmer Brown over here is down on his luck and needs to be extended credit to buy seed and fertilizer for his 300 acres or whatever, he just goes and gets it and pays it back when he can, because it's coming from everybody in the co-op together. It's a shared thing. So in this area that I'm in, it's still, I ain't going to say it's still common, but it's still a very much a thing where I'm at. There's a lot of sense of community and a lot of people helping each other. And I mean, there's people around here. This you hear the saying, they'll give you the shirt off their back. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of those people left necessarily, but there's still so many people around here. If you need something like uh, somebody can put a message on a local small town Facebook group. Hey, such and such as house burned down. They lost this. They lost that. Within about 48 hours, they are going to have everything they need to stock a new place. I'm talking furniture, electronics, cookware, the whole nine yards, clothes for them and the kids. So very fortunate. And I've traveled this whole country and half the world. And I have a lot of people will say this, but I really mean I have yet to find an area that I would rather live than where I already do. And that's one of the big reasons. All right, so you're you're getting to the point before I even could ask you about it. So as you got older, like I I know you are there now, and and you've mentioned here that was where you grew up. But what caused you to leave for a little bit? Were you just kind of figuring out your place in the world? Were you chasing a job, a woman? Oh no, it was work. <laughs> it was work. I, yeah. Well, see, my dad had his own business he bought and sold conveyor belt to coal mines and strip mines and rock quarries all over the country so traveling was a way of life growing up especially in the summertime there was nothing i liked better than getting in the truck with him and taking off you know two states over overnight and coming back or day trips here and there going up the highway and seeing the sun come up on the horizon on a pretty summer day and stopping at mcdonald's for hot cakes so as i got older and circumstances are what they are different times. I needed a good paying job. And in this area, being as rural as we are, 
It's one of the lowest cost of living places in the entire country, but the wages reflect that. So you have a lot of people move away from this area to go to more populated areas to make more money. I just found a way to stay living here and be home one or two days a week, but travel for my job for a long time and uh, made better money than most people in this area. Still was home, but still got to go out and re-see the country again, which was, I still say, I tell the wife this all the time, I've seen this country twice. I plan on seeing it at least a third time before I'm gone, some way, somehow. So. So was that because I, I've talked to you a few times and, and DM, and of course I've heard hours and hours of you on the podcast. Is this traveling where you're, because you have a wealth of knowledge about everything. You, you know at least a little about everything, or at least no one has asked you a question that's tripped you up here. <laughs> Not yet, you're, anyway. Yeah. Did it did it come from traveling, from just experiencing the country? Did it come from your own curiosities for things? All of the above, because I'm still an avid reader. But at the same time, Willie Nelson wrote a song called Me and Paul. And there's a line in it that I still use that uh, I got my education in cities across the nation. Traveling and meeting a variety of people from a variety of walks of life and being in some situations at different times where it's you and the people around you that you have to depend on and it's your wits and, you know, your own resourcefulness. You learn a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of it you learn the hard way, but you learn it. Uh, and just seeing and going and doing and talking to so many people, so many people from so many walks of life. You just you take a little away from everybody and every experience. Well, like I would never. I'm I'm old enough now that I would never um, uh, judge life pain against anyone else because I know some people do. You know the usual. Oh, you think you're tired? You don't know what tired is mm-hmm. that people pull. But for any hard time I've been through, I've discovered later in life it taught me a lesson though. Mm-hmm. And maybe I didn't know what I was going through at the time. Maybe it really sucked at the time. Maybe it hurt at the time. But then years later, I can use that to make a different situation better or myself better or help someone else who needs so they don't go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I, I'm not, you know, preaching on here by any means. But in a way, it makes me feel like there's some sort of plan overall. Mm-hmm. Things happen for a reason. My my favorite one is from the uh, early season of The Simpsons when Bart prays for a snow day so he can finish homework and they actually get it. And Lisa stops him coming out the door with a sled. She said, I heard you praying last night, and I don't know what God is, but I know it's a power more powerful than mom and dad combined. <laughs> <laughs> and that always just sticks with me. I've had enough things, and, and I felt like you were kind of tiptoeing around it a little bit and maybe had a, a scrap or two in your day. But maybe, so, yeah, sometimes I, I really do feel like I got to go through crap to get on the other side and learn the lesson. And I need to look bigger picture from it. Is this thing that's hurting me today still going to hurt me in a day, a week, a year? Probably well, not. I reference this a lot. I'm, you've probably seen the movie Signs with Mel Gibson. Oh, God, yeah, I love Signs. 
are you a person who sees these things and sees coincidences or are you somebody who looks at the world and sees signs? I think that's summing up what you're talking about. There's a lot of people in the world who will go through bad times and then as they see it as a coincidence when something similar comes up later. But then there's those of us who, and like you just said, a lot of things you go through, you're going to see again one day. And it may be a worse situation the next time, but you know how to handle it at that point. Uh, true. I think the scariest thing is the unknown. Um, the best example I give, because people are people are always having kids. Someone's always having their first kid. The scaredest I've ever been in my life is when we brought home our son. And my mother-in-law was here to just, you know, like get us set up that night and everything. And then she said, okay, I'm going home. And uh, <laughs> it's the two of us and this infant. And I was like, when are the real adults coming? <laughs> when is anyone coming knows what the hell they're doing here? I don't think we slept a bit that night. Just scared to death. Wow. What do we do? You know? Well, I'm old fashioned. I slept like a baby those first nights. We <laughs> <laughs> I have this philosophy that it's going to be all right. Whatever it is, it's going to be all right. I've... I've gotten better with that in my age. Um, quick side note here. Have you heard the theory about signs? You might enjoy it if you haven't okay. heard it yet. They never called aliens in the movie. Okay. If you take them as some sort of evil spirit, demon, whatever, a lot of the other stuff in the movie makes a lot more sense, too. Hmm. You don't see an alien ship. They're not called aliens. You just see like some sort of creatures that are going around here. Mm-hmm. So if you take that theory and then extend it to the ending, especially, it's like, oh, stuff makes a little more sense now. That's kind of well, my but, head canon for it. But you had the birds who were dying flying into an invisible object in the sky above Mexico City, though. It's true, but that's not an invisible <laughs> ship, though. Well, that's very, yeah, you're right. They don't say it's, it's a ship. Yep, but it could be any number of things. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's my head canon. So when... And all this cross-country travel and all this hard work ethic and all this, you know, life lessons. Did you sit down and say, you know, I think I got stuff to say. And I think I want to put out there for other people to hear it or read it. Uh, on a broad level, I don't really know. <laughs> um, I mean, well, I mean, going all the way back to elementary school i've done stuff like that uh you've probably seen your video gamer i think um back in the late 80s you could buy paperback books um about how to win at nintendo and nintendo oh, yeah whatever i used to write my own like on four pages of loose leaf paper and then copy them and sell them you know for a quarter a copy called nintendo secrets where i'm just downloading knowledge <laughs> about games i've gotten played and I may cover in four pages, I may cover 15 games, you know, like a paragraph on each, you know, hey, yeah. here's this, here's that. This is how you get past this part, you know, use this code, like the Contra code or the, the fun stuff like typing in the phone number on Mike Tyson's punch out and, and getting a little busy tone or whatever you would get on the start screen. So, I mean, I've always done stuff like that, but as far as what we do now, I don't. My first retro writing, you're probably familiar with RetroJunk.com. Yep. Yeah, I found RetroJunk. Actually, way back when, I found 
yesterday land back in 2000 um, which no longer exists and I found they had forums and people just talking about old stuff and I chimed in in the forums a lot and then I found retro junk and I thought well you know I'm gonna write this thing and actually <laughs> the first thing I wrote about was uh, all the old food I missed fast food and junk food <laughs> no longer around to tie all that back together so that would have been I don't even know when that was, to be honest with you. It was some point between 2000 and now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I know that you're a hardworking person. I know from uh, Retro Network and our VIP lounge, when, you know, you're able to chime in for stuff. I know for scheduling you for things. I know, you know, when you just talk about um, all the chaos that has happened at your own place of work in COVID era. Mm-hmm. but I know I need to do this because I need that outlet. If I don't have it, I'm going to explode. I'm going to be in a miserable mood. I, I need the outlet of writing and podcasting, but you, I, I've always thought are a much harder working person than myself. Why? So where, what is it in you that decided I really need to eliminate yet another hour of my day <laughs> to put out content online. Cause him, I got something to say. Well, I mean, that's probably part of it, but I think I have been ADHD since before that was a thing. I'm, I constantly multitask right now. As we're sitting here talking, I'm doing nothing but talking to you. I've got my feet up. I'm sitting here with my arms crossed across, you know, my chest kick back and just talking to you. That is a rare occurrence for me to not be doing at least two things at one time. So a lot of times when I am writing something or I'm editing something for the retro network, uh, I may be watching a movie with the wife and kids. I may be eating, you know, (laughs) eating a meal with the computer propped up next to it. Or, you know, I'm jotting down notes in the car while I'm driving to work, you know, different thoughts to share with some people at some point on some forum somewhere. Uh, I don't look at it as taking an hour out of life. I, I can't, I'm not a person who can just kick back in a chair and watch a movie and just solely watch that movie for two hours. I have to have something else going on at the same time. And I think that's why I'm able to do what I do. True. See, my wife is like that a lot. She can, I'll say, how did you get through a whole season of the show? And it's because it's on while she's doing other things. Whereas there's something within me that feels like I'm going to miss some secret of life if I look away from the TV, which I know is ridiculous. <laughs> and and actually, a lot of modern wrestling has helped me. Like, I just, I need to not pay detailed attention to this right now. I can look away for a bit and just look mm-hmm. up when something actually important happens which is less and less for some of the programs lately. Well, I kind of credit mine all the way back to being a kid when I'm playing with action figures while watching Saturday morning cartoons. You know, I've always done two things at once or I'm coloring while, you know, watching an episode of Bob Ross or something. You know, always got a couple things going on. Declan's got that going on right now. He's got a superhero battle taking place while whatever cartoon he's watching is on in the other room. (laughs) little multitasker there yeah but he's absorbing all of it though <laughs> but i don't know sometimes i'm an idea person and if i have an idea it, it's really hard to have an idea for something 
and to just kind of approach a stranger or a semi stranger and say, you know what I think you should do <laughs> on, on your website or your blog or whatever. It's really hard to do that. So a lot of times I'll have these ideas and they'll percolate for months or even years at a time. And I'm like, well, nobody else is going to do this. I guess I'm going to have to do this. And I think that drives a lot of what I do. So. Well, and that's part of me doing this now because I've wanted to ask you questions. I, I've been hoping someone asked the questions. Uh, I wanted to know where Karen came from out of nowhere. I wanted to get into Adam's history. Like there's so many that I've talked to already and that are coming up that I got. Eventually I woke up one day and said, I need to stop waiting for someone to ask these questions I want asked. I should just do it myself. Yeah, there you go. And so all of a sudden you have another project that's going to occupy a good chunk of your time. Whether you intended it to be that way or not, that's what you're left with. Yep, and now, now i got to come up with names and logos and all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you mentioned reaching out to strangers about projects or, oh, you should do this. It's almost like it's almost like you're looking through my computer, like i got a webcam up for my questions here. Because... You did reach out to a bit of a stranger there named Jason and said, are you serious about wanting to do this thing here? Well, so where did you get the idea of, you know, you know some people and I know some people. Maybe we can all get together on the same page here and make something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. Well, actually, it wasn't even that complex when it first come up. Jason and I would say we were strangers. We were friendly online, you know, liked each other's tweets and would retweet and might leave a comment on each other's site now and then. And like he told you, we I think I approached him. Somehow we got to talking about G.I. Joe on Twitter or something. I'm like, hey, here's an idea. Let's do a little cross post thing. And we've done that. And then he had me on an episode of his podcast and then he had me back for another episode. And I don't believe it was on the air. A matter of fact, I kind of remember what it was. He had tweeted something or wrote something in a blog post somewhere. It was just like a quote. He put, this isn't my job, but I'm going to keep doing it until it is. And number one, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I mentioned it to him when we were recording, and he just offhandedly said, we talked a little bit about it, and he said something to the effect of, I wish we could just all get together and do this together. And I think it may have been like a day later. I sent him a message, you know, you said this, and I just put a simple question. Why don't we, you know, like what's stopping us from doing that? Why would we not? And it was so funny. You know, Jason is still a stranger at this point. He messages me back. There may have been one or two messages in between us, but he messaged me back and he says, if you're serious about this, give me a call. And there's his phone number. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I call him up. We have a conversation for like an hour and then we talk again and again and the kernels of the idea come along. But I knew pretty early. It's one thing to have a blog or a website and several people writing or whatever. But people have different creative minds. People have different voices, for lack of a better word. Let's do a real multimedia network. You know, audio, visual, the written word. Let's just do it all. I mean, because there's people out there who specialize in one or the other or prefer one or the other or two of the three. And that's what we've done. And 
like he he told you <clears throat> one of the first things I was thinking is like, well, look, we can't just launch with an empty website. You, well, there's got to be something there. You can't even launch with just one article from each of us because oh, you get somebody interested. They come. There's two things to do. And 10 minutes later, they're like, well, that was fun. So we had to populate it with some old stuff. You know, people show up. Well, there's something to do for an hour now. And then it just grew from there. And like we knew if we're going to be a podcast network, a network means more than one. Right. So <laughs> you, we're going to do one. We know that much. But I knew Adam from Retro Days, and he had written some stuff for Retro Ramblings, and we I knew he had Sequel Quest. And just started talking to some people. Uh, I knew Eric. He had written some stuff for Retro Ramblings, got in touch with him. Jason knew you, knew Stacy. Next thing I know, Jason's hiring a voiceover artist to do some stuff for us. And, <laughs> well, all right, we're off and running. Here we go. But I think you can look at it, even in just the two years, as worth it, too, oh. for the uh, the people that you've brought out of their shelves, the content that's been created, the people who have met each other because of this, the connections. Like, you've created not just a network, not just a site, but oh, you're the hub of a community. And I, I flat out told you guys that a year ago, and I wasn't blowing smoke up your, either of your asses. I meant it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think all of us needed a hub, and you created that hub. Well, when Jason made that comment, you know, I wish we could all do this together. And when I said, well, why don't we? That was some of the ideas in my brain at the time. Because let's face it, as much as we love it, we all know, the people inside it especially know, blogging is a dying medium. Uh, people are losing audiences right and left. But the biggest downside to all that is you don't have new voices coming along to replace the ones you're losing so where is for this thing that we all love the whole retro i, I just call everything the retro verse you know mm-hmm. where is that going to be if there's not somebody like you said trying to carry the fire where's that going to be in five years you know, I love this stuff. Where am I going to get my fix if it continues, if the blogging world continues to die? And one of the things I saw as a big problem was the rise of social media with what we do. Because instead of people launching a blog on Blogger or WordPress or wherever they choose to, to do their work, it become much easier for newer voices to slap a picture on Facebook with a sentence or two, like, hey, who remembers the McDLT? I love that thing. Yeah. And then the next day they're on to something else. There's no context there. And there's people coming up now. My daughters, they'll even say, what's a blog? I don't, you know, their whole world revolves around Snapchat, Instagram, you know, social sites, individual apps. Uh, who's going to offer the space up. And when you talk to Karen and you were asking her, you know, where did you come from and all this? Karen, I think is the perfect example of what I wanted from the network. And this is not a slight on Karen in any way whatsoever. Where is someone like Karen going to share her story? Is it going to be on social media? Is it going to be on Instagram through pictures? 
sure it's possible but again without a lot of the room and space to devote to it you're lacking context karen is so full of energy as you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so full of life and she loves to share her stories she loves to hear other people's stories and memories and she loves to comment and relate to and talk about all this stuff i would love to see a thousand more karens whether they are on the back side of the network contributing or whether they're just on the front side enjoying either way is fine um you know, we're, we're creating an oral history, an oral pop culture history at the Retro Network. And not saying other blogs and stuff have it in the past. And when you talked to Jason, you referenced uh, the WWE Network, what they've done. Uh, buying up, so to speak, different libraries and preserving the history. Because where would, where would the Mid-South Wrestling from the 80s, where would it ever have an audience where would it ever be shown and i've got a lot of bookmarks on my computer of old sites where people would talk about retro stuff you click on them now and you get 404 page not found where did all that go you know all that stuff is lost like you mentioned it's people's work not only is somebody's work lost the stuff that i enjoyed reading and would read multiple times it's like comfort food, you know, may find a really good retro article on a site somewhere and I'll go back and read it, you know, every couple of months. Where is all that going to be unless somebody tries to step up and keep it going? I mean, I don't want to sound grandiose or anything, but like I said earlier, I have a lot of these ideas sometimes and what am I going to do? Uh, call up Chad at horror movie barbecue and say, you know what you should do? You should launch some podcasts and videos to be on your site and don't come across well from a stranger. Sometimes you just have to try to do it yourself. It's the, it's the difference. I I got two examples for, I'm not sure if I want to go food or pop culture for you. Either one. (laughs) Um, Maddie brought this up to me long ago. It's a difference between getting McDonald's or cooking a meal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want a quick food. I just need something to get me through the day. I'll go through drive through. I'll eat it quick. I'll forget about it in five, 10 minutes. And a lot of that's your social media. Now Instagram, quick little picture, TikTok comes and goes in a minute. But what we're putting out for podcasts and for blogging is more like the meal. It takes me a long time to prepare. It takes a long time to eat. We're going to bring it back. We're going to sit down and have a conversation at the table, too. But you know what? You're going to remember that meal. You're going to remember the experience making it. You're going to remember enjoying it. You're going to remember the people that you were with because it took longer and it had more of an impact. And everyone just wants a quick hit. You know, social media, here's a quick picture on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. All right, cool. But then what's it mean two seconds later? Nothing. But uh, there are bloggers and podcasters that I would let into my house. I would, you know, tell them, like, here's the key. Let yourself in. I'm not home yet because I've grown to know them through experiences like this and through building things up. And most of the bloggers and podcasters I still follow is not necessarily, oh, I want to hear your wrestling content, your comic content, or whatever it is. It's, I want to hear you, whoever the host is, whoever the main writer is. 
Right. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, not to sound like two old men, I don't know if it's the damn kids today just wanting everything so quick and not putting effort into it. But I think it's just a, a overall general society thing of wanting, uh, you know, the to have the quick binge of something. Um, when people, I mean, the whole show it doesn't have the ratings now, but when people used to complain about Walking Dead, ah, oh, people just talked all episode. Yes, that's called character development. If you don't mm-hmm. care about the characters, you're not going to care about them when they die. Right. And you need those moments to matter. Comic did the same thing. You might go five, six issues without any big zombie thing happening because you needed to care about the characters who you cared when something happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't care about, you know, Bob from Florida posting a picture of a cool cereal because it's just a picture. Anyone could have posted that picture. Right. But I'll read you all day long, Jason, Adam, you know. Yeah, you, know, you, you see that picture of that cereal. Yeah, I see that stuff, and it's cool. It's maybe not be something I've seen in a long time. And they're like, oh, hey, look at that. And I'll file it away in my brain for something to talk about in the future. But at the same time, it's, well, did you grow up eating that? Did you watch? Did you eat that on Saturday mornings watching cartoons? Is that something you found as a teenager and eat late at night, you know? most of the things I write and talk about, I can draw very specific memories of a point in time of an event. You know, I wrote something on retro ramblings here a while back on the comic book ad post. I put a picture of the ad for Superman peanut butter on there. I can't tell you every time I ever ate Superman peanut butter, but I can tell you I was eating a Superman peanut butter sandwich while I watched a space shuttle challenger happen. Really? There are specific, you know, everything I talk and write about, I'm so nostalgic for so much stuff. And that's what is missing from those posts, like the picture post stuff. There's no context to it. You know, I want to hear people's stories. Uh, I don't know when this episode we're doing is going to drop. But as we're recording this, the After Hours show on the Retro Network, we're doing a free preview this week so everybody can hear it. I posed to Jason, it's a 90s topic on the time machine, so I posed to Jason, oh, where were you when in the after hours? And I just went off some major news events of the 90s. And everything I asked him about, he knew where he was, who he was with, what he was doing, how it affected him at the time, how it's affected him since. That's the stories. That's the context. You know, it's great to say... Just one of a million examples like, uh, oh, yeah, I used to love Honey Nut Cheerios. Well, I can tell you that Honey Nut Cheerios, it took me a lot of convincing for my mom to switch from regular Cheerios to Honey Nut Cheerios. And I wanted Honey Nut Cheerios. I'd never had them before I saw the Hulk Hogan commercial with the (laughs) Honey Bee. And I'm big into wrestling. I mean, there's stories. There's context. There's stuff people can relate to. Anybody can post a picture of Honey Nut Cheerios on Twitter. And a thousand people may scroll by it and it means nothing to nobody. But the minute you put your personal memory or story with it, people stop and read it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that commercial or, oh, yeah, you know, that's the good stuff. That's what I'm after. I want to hear people's stories. It is a literal history of our of our lifetime. You know, we read history books now. It's about the Civil War. Well, guess what? That was one of the bigger things in those people's lives. We have lived in mostly an age of peace in our lifetime. 
pop culture is like a predominant factor. We're sharing our history of one of the bigger things in our lifetime. Well, and look at us or, or any number of people in our community here. I didn't go to the same school as any of you. I didn't grow up in the same town. Our parents didn't know each other. Like, we don't have a connection like that. But I could sit and talk to you about wrestling for hours, if not days on end. Mm -hmm. Other people in our group, I could talk to you about, you know, comics or toys or food or whatever heck it might be. And I can have a longer conversation with you than someone I did go to school with. Right. Because we actually have something in common. I can have a longer conversation with you than I can probably anybody I currently work with. Maybe the exception of my brother, but he gets tiresome anyway. So I'd rather <laughs> talk to you for an hour than him for an hour. So, <laughs> but that connection, you know, we're talking about like making that connection over the food. We share all these connections. You and I have never met in person. You and I have actually rarely spoke in person like this. But when I say heels department store, we both have an instant connection and we both have a hundred stories and a lot of them are shared. You know, the snack bar, the toy aisles, the commercials, shared experiences, whether we were together or not. And all that, those threads connect us all. Funny you bring up hills. I was up visiting my mom a couple weeks ago and we were talking about it and all the memories I have, she had memories of it too. I was learning stuff because I was a kid, so I didn't know, you know, why she shopped there certain times of year, you know, what sales were going on and stuff. So she's given me an adult, apparent perspective of it too, which was even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if you're aware. I worked there for a little while too. Oh, I've read the article. All right. All the fields. Not only did I read it, I edited it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh yeah, it was great because you uh, were you were still there when it switched to Ames too, weren't you? It ju- like just about yeah. yeah. It was coming, but it wasn't official yet. Man, you know, that like was it was a bad that, day. It's awful. You used to say to someone, "Oh, I worked at Ames. I worked at Ames too." All right, let me describe it. Now, was there always a leaky ceiling? Were there always holes in the floor? Well, that's how you always- know. That's how you know Hills was special. Even people, I've got this Hills logo T-shirt I wear to work every now and then. I'll wear it, and people are like, "Oh man, I remember Hills," and they'll say a few things, and we'll talk. But I bet you, if I wore a T-shirt in that said Ames, not a single person would say anything, <laughs> even though it just transitioned from one to the other. The magic. No, was- maybe a sarcastic eye roll of "I can't believe you have that ridiculous shirt," but there wouldn't mm-hmm. be memories of it. Right. I love my local comic store but that's about that's that's a special beast and that's about it now for a store i'm excited for every week but when i was a kid i was excited i was excited for hills for toys r us for came or yeah kmart at one point for kb toys for all these places that are long gone and you go to a mall now and they all look the same we don't even have a mall around here anymore we Walmart is pretty much it in this area. So, of course, now I do like my local Walmart because it's not a super center. It's still the original Walmart that was built here in the 80s. It's still just like a department store, not like a super store. How do they pull that one off? I have no idea. But 
that's that's still the layout. Yeah, you would think just Walmart, you know, for for everything that people think about them, and probably right, that they would want the grocery part too, just to muscle some other people out. Yeah, but like you know, like I said at the top, I still live in a very rural area, so that is what it is. Now there is a Super Walmart, um, twenty five miles south and twenty five miles north of me. So it's still close enough, but I prefer my little local Walmart. Yeah, I have, we got everything basic in the town I live in, which is relatively small town, but about a half hour, any direction you can hit the bigger stores. But at least I don't have the traffic to deal with for the bigger stores. We can just go and get groceries and that's it. We're going to get groceries. We're not dealing with chaos. So what would you say, and I'm getting to it, but don't worry. What do you think you want to do next here for Retro Network, for your own writings, for your own, to to take even more hours out of your day? (laughs) I'd like for the Retro Network, I want to see us continue to expand. And when I'm saying that, I'm not meaning uh, financially or anything like that. Like I said earlier, I'd like to have a lot more Karens. I'd like to find people who have a story to tell, who don't know how to tell it or have a place to tell it. I want to offer people a place, you know, like we just brought on a very Brady podcast. They reached out to us, you know, Hey, the network seems cool. It seems like good people. We want to be a part of it. And we're like, well, we'd like to have you be a part of it. You know, and I really see us over the next year, growing more and more and more and you never know where opportunities are going to come from look at you guys with the house show covid for all the negativity and all the bad stuff that came with it 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 inspired a lot of creativity you guys were stuck at home let's watch wrestling and talk about it while we're all stuck at home let's put it on the retro network and jason and i were more than happy to host it so I want to see us continue to grow and offer even more for people to enjoy. You know, we do a pretty good job. There's generally most days, Monday through Friday, a new podcast dropping. Most days, Monday through Friday, a new written piece drops. I'd like to see that double or triple over the next year. I'd like when people come to the RetroNetwork.com, there's 15 minutes or more of good new reading daily versus five. I'd like them to have more podcasts than they could possibly enjoy just from the retro network. If that's what they chose to listen to all the time. So, but for my own writing, it's hard. What it's hard to say what the future holds for my own writing though. For inspiration or for time or both for both my, you know, most of my nostalgia stems from my mother. Who's in very poor health with dementia and it's hard to tell you know how I'll feel about things when the inevitable happens I know our, our good friend Sean Robert branded in the 80s experienced exactly what I'm talking about recently I don't see myself ever stopping but I think my perspective is going to change and it may change for the better I may be, may become even more nostalgic for things when she's no longer with us so it you know, my mental state sometimes is in limbo on a lot of this stuff because 
I'll have an idea. Something will pop into my head. I want to talk about or I want to write about. And then a lot of the memories of it involve her. And I find myself saying, you know what? I'm going to wait to write this. I'm just going to wait. And personally, I know what I'm waiting for. So it's hard to tell what the next year holds. But it's... I'm not at, at that level yet, but I'm at the mom. Why are you in this big house all by yourself with all of this stuff? Something needs to change here level. And I see all of these things and I'm thinking a lot of this can go, but there's a story behind it too, though. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to go away until that story can be told. You know, I, I, I feel like, um, that my best stuff is still in front of me, not behind me as far as writing and stuff goes with <laughs> retro stuff. I call it strange, but I'm usually pretty well in touch with myself. I feel like when the inevitable happens will be when I may do some of my most inspired writing. So a lot of these memories, things I want to write about now that are so deeply tied to her. Like I have famously is probably not a good word, but the most famous thing I've ever talked or written about was the glory days of pizza hut. I've talked about Wendy's, but as big as those are McDonald's was a bigger part of my childhood than any other food place. But you know what? I can't recall a time I ever went when it wasn't with mom. And I, most of those trips were just her and I, I don't want to do that yet. You know, this may sound strange to a lot of people listening, but I feel like my most inspired stuff is still off in the future because of her. I think that's part of why a lot of us are here. There's an actor on a different podcast, and he had to explain to his mom why he was going to Hollywood. You got a good life here. Why would you go and struggle and and see what can happen there? And he said, mom, there's something inside of me and I feel I'm the only person that can say it. And someone out there is the only person that needs to hear it, but I need to put it out there. So that person who I may never, ever meet can hear me say it and it can inspire them. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, the things that you know are coming eventually there's going to be someone that needs to read those words and they need to read them. Not today, not yesterday, but when you are able to write them Mm -hmm. and again, to bring it back, call it fate, call it God, call it something. There'll be a reason for things happening when they do. And it's because someone's going to need to hear what you have to say at that point. That, and it could just be, maybe I need to say it at that point too. No. So, you know, I was, I was talking, uh, my dad's in poor health too. And I had him at the hospital several weeks ago and he's laying around waiting to be admitted to a room. We're just sitting around talking and he says, I can't remember how we get on. So I just started asking him about some stuff and it was the first time he and I had really talked a whole lot about his childhood, you know, 43 years. And it's the first time we really had an in-depth conversation about his childhood. 
I knew my grandfather was a sharecropper, worked the land and shared the, the goods with other people who worked and lived on the land. Some things I didn't know was my dad, you know, was out plowing fields with two mules when he was six years old, seven years old. Uh, Lapboard wood house that they'd put cardboard up over the cracks in the walls to keep the snow out in the wintertime. And, you know, I, when we got done talking or towards the end of him telling some stories, I said, you never really talk about your childhood. And he said, well, it's just never been much good to talk about. And I looked at him and I said, uh, I said, that's funny. I said, I've spent the last 15 years doing nothing but talking about how good my childhood's been (laughs) to a, to a world of complete strangers. And, you know, we kind of shared a moment over that. I'm like, for all your hardships and stuff, you went above and beyond to make my childhood so good. I can't quit talking about it. And, uh, I think there's a lot of inspiration from stuff like that too. Do you think that that hit him? Because I know having a kid changed my life, and that's everything that he asks and everything that he's wondering about in every lesson and all. My goal is I want you to be better than I was and and to have things I didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's always been prevalent with him. Without him even saying it, you know, you, you just feel it. That, you know hard to explain but just always known that's the case oh but i mean maybe you know like we're saying when do conversations happen maybe that's why it happened then so he can know that he was able to do that for you yeah maybe you know signs are coincidences right yeah all right so mickey i know you're a very busy person i know there's probably another drink or or a snack or something before you head to bed tonight waiting for you. But I don't know if you're aware of this, a little bit of sarcasm here, but for this being the hot tag, I do open it up to people who have known me for a while, like yourself. If they have any questions for me, could be about anything. Mickey, do do you have a question? I got a couple. Oh, really? (laughs) That you're going to enjoy though. You go right ahead. Because you're a big wrestling fan too. Indeed. So I'm just I'm just curious. All right. Not best. I don't care about star ratings or anything like that. What is your favorite match you've ever saw? That may be hard to narrow down. Jeez. It's usually you gotta go with your gut, but saw live or saw on TV? Just that you've experienced in any form. Um, I was at WrestleMania for Rock versus Hogan. Oh, wow. We were there live. Um, me, educator and his wife. Um, and we were about as far up as you can go in Sky Dome. Like when fireworks went off and the smoke collected at the top of the building, I could see them opening the vents at the top of the building. That's how high up we were. Mm-hmm. Even from that high up, I could feel every bit of emotion and energy for that match. Yeah. And I I've can feel it never... at home. I can't imagine what it was like being there. 
I have never experienced something like that live. Just the dueling chance, the turning of it, the the way both of them could command 70,000 people, however many were there, with just a turn of their head. Unreal. And we kept talking about that. I thought you could put that on for someone who doesn't watch wrestling. And because it's two of the biggest, most iconic characters ever, they could say, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it now. Yeah, that I, didn't, I had no idea you were there. Yeah, I that was I missed that. We um, so it would have been 2002. Uh, it was in Toronto. We lived in upstate New York, so we just you know headed over the bridge. You know, told what we were going for. They waved us right through. <laughs> like, oh, all right, <laughs> go ahead. Um, went to Toronto for a couple of days. They didn't NXT didn't exist yet, but they had WWE access. Their little fan fest things so you could do autographs you could uh you know watch people wrestle you could go up to all the you know um uh memorabilia that they had there mm-hmm. so educator wasted not wasted he had fun but he spent hours in line getting autographs i'm like i'm not doing that so i went around i took pictures of everything that was there um i called a match they had a thing going on where you could just sit at a booth and call a match with an announcer yeah i've seen highlights of that stuff yep so I got a videotape of that at my mom's, I think. Um, I was on this balcony area just watching. Yeah, I just needed a break from being in the crowd. So I go up on this balcony and I'm just hanging out. I look over and Les Thatcher standing next to me. Holy crap. <laughs> so I go, I know who you are. <laughs> he just smiled. And it was because he was on the MTV True Life things recently that mm-hmm. they had done. True Life, I want to be a wrestler. So we just small talked. I... I don't even know if I asked him for an autograph. I was just enjoying having a conversation with the man. I just said, thank you for everything you've done. And I was small talking with him. And I think he was just pleased to have a conversation and not a, you know, screaming fan or can I get your autograph? And then I'm going to resell it for 10 bucks in mm-hmm. two minutes. You know, um, they had matches the entire time there. And it was mostly people that weren't on the WrestleMania card. And they brought out this kid from Ohio Valley wrestling and said, Hey, here's this new guy. We think he's going to be a star. You guys want to see a new up-and-coming WWE superstar? Yay! And Brock Lesnar comes out. Wow. <laughs> so it's just like a handful of people around the ring. Here's Brock Lesnar. All, she's like 24, 25 then, like just a kid. Now, he debuted like the night after, he did, didn't he? Yes! We didn't have a clue yeah. that was coming. It was fantastic. Wow. Well, I can't top that one. <laughs> <laughs> but Les Thatcher is a lost treasure. I mean, he don't get enough credit when they talk about Jim Ross and Lance Russell and Gordon Soley. I mean, Les Thatcher's just like that right there behind them. Anybody who grew up seeing his stuff on Southeastern and Smoky Mountain and all the areas he worked. And even ICW in the late 80s, early 90s, I think he'd done some commentary for. I, I also think with so many people were exposed to wrestling as the Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon cartoon WWF wrestling Mm -hmm. that they think that's what all of wrestling is. And it's not, you got to treat wrestling as a genre to tell a story. That's like saying all movies are only comedies or something like that. Mm -hmm. Hang on one minute, Mickey. Sorry. Sorry, Declan had a quick question for me. <laughs> That's all right. Um, 
but I think wrestling is not just it's this one type of story and that's it. It's a platform to tell any type of story. And the wrestling promotions that you mentioned are certainly not the WWF Hulk Hogan era, nor was NWA, nor is Japan, nor is Mexico, nor is, you know, ECW or anywhere else. Like every, every promotion, if not every booker that was in charge has their own way of telling the story. And it makes wrestling amazing and so beautiful. And you're always discovering new stuff. That's the beauty of a wrestling show in a vacuum too. It's the three ring circus approach. You know, if you don't like the clowns, maybe you'll like the trapeze artist. If you don't like them, maybe you'll like the tightrope walker. You know, maybe you'll like the lions and the elephants. You know, it's there's something for everybody, and there's all kinds of ways to tell those stories and stuff. Yeah, we're gonna see my first. So we went to maybe the last house show in March of 2020 in Syracuse, three of us. And then I haven't been to wrestling since because pretty much no one has <laughs> because it's just not happening right now. But we bought tickets about a year and a half ago for a show in Syracuse again. And they're finally going to have it in October, a, a big indie show that I am hmm. just, I can't wait to watch it because I know they're going to bring in like, here's everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. here's going to be a crazy match. Oh yeah. Here's going to be like some, some main eventers. Here's going to be a violent one. Here's going to be a couple women's matches. That I'm looking forward to like, I can't wait for it. Cause you're right. It's a good wrestling show is a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So even if you didn't like this, there will be a match you loved on there. Right now. How far are you from Syracuse? Uh, maybe a half hour. South, North, East, West. Um, I mean, if you don't mind saying you can cut this part out if you want no to. no 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 it's fine I, i've said where i am uh west west okay might be might be a little northwest but yeah i've spent some time in new york working around there syracuse Cortland, hornell buffalo hmm. yeah because um i've been all... in your neck of the woods anyway i'll say that yeah because i'm i work in utica so that's about a 20 minute drive for me I am in the same town that Woodstock 99 happened in. Mm. And I think they're still cleaning up from it. <laughs> uh, and then Syracuse is over a bit. And then once you're on 81, you know, 81 and 90 pretty much cross all of New York for anywhere you're going to go. You can get on 81 and stay on it all the way into Southwest Virginia. And you get off a certain exit and you're uh, one mile from my house. So really, it's a straight shot. Yep, really. I I traveled all of 81 once. My dad, when he was still in the military, was stationed in Memphis. And so one day we drove all of 81 straight down until it ended pretty much. And then the next week, day we drove across Tennessee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I got one more question for you. Because okay. I know you're in the comic books, too. Yeah, I've I mentioned love, it once or twice, yeah. Yeah, I love your review style on masklibrary.com, by the way. Especially recently, the the, uh, the newspaper comic strip book collection reviews. But what is your favorite storyline of the 90s? Oh, jeez. Favorite storyline of the 90s. Or maybe, you know, favorite run or whatever. No, 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 because I'm picturing everything like Wizards right now, too, you know. <laughs> Um, 
I'm I actually enjoyed it was early 90s I enjoyed crossovers when I started I'm trying to get all of Atlantis attacks right now oh yeah and find all those in the back issues um acts of vengeance really got me because mm-hmm. I was the Avengers kid when I first discovered comics because I was the only one not buying X-Men I was like, I don't care. I like the Avengers, especially West Coast Avengers, and no one else did. <laughs> so when Acts of Vengeance started and crossing over between a lot of them, I got really into that. Um, jeez. I mean, as I got older, like I think Preacher's my favorite Vertigo book by far, yeah. and that was like late '90s, maybe early 2000s. I I think probably when John Byrne did. And and if you've watched WandaVision, you know a lot of this stuff for any listeners. When John Byrne did Vision Quest in West mm-hmm. Coast Avengers. Yeah. So I um I picked up I had my first comic that I bought myself before a plane trip to Disney. So I had one comic to read for a three hour flight. So I read it cover to cover multiple times and then I read like the letters page and stand soapbox and you know bullpen bulletins and all that stuff. And there were ads for other comics. So next time I was at Walden Books, another RIP store, uh, I went in and I was looking for one of the comics they advertised there. And I thought, oh, I actually have money for two. Let me look for something. And the Solo Avengers looked interesting. I knew nothing about it, but looked cool. And it had Hawkeye and Dr. Pym. Next time I go back, here's this West Coast Avengers, and it says, Dr. Pym must die. And all these people I didn't recognize trying to kill him. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? I like this character. So then I read the book and I realized it's a team thing and there was you know, a story going on and they're all on the same team. I thought, well, this was cool. Mm-hmm. And I, it was around in the 30s. So I started getting it and then I found stores that had back issues. So I'm reading all of West Coast Avengers. So I'm getting a feel for them. I'm loving Hawkeye and Wanda and, and Vision and everyone. And then they do the story where... They split apart Wanda and Vision and changed them forever. And that was the first time I was mad and engrossed and thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, comics can do anything. You could break every toy here and either rebuild them or let it lay there and see what happens next. And I was fascinated by it. It was so cool. And John Byrne art at the time was amazing. He was so good. He still um, was it Wizards that just put up some stuff from Babe. Yes. John Burns Dark yeah. Horse book. Yeah. You can see some of it there, but it also seems like he's trying to play catch with image and yeah. failing. But when he's on, he's one of the best artists ever. Yeah. And he he was on for this West Coast run. It was so good. It's one of the ones that like I bought and I have my original ones with my name written in them. Wow. So when I went to friends' houses, I knew which comics were mine and which ones were his. And then I had to get nicer copies, too, <laughs> because <laughs> I liked them so much. I wanted pretty copies as well. But I'll never get rid of my old ones, though. Well, I've really been enjoying I signed up uh, for Marvel Unlimited when it was half price, like Black Friday. I've been really enjoying because I have no, I feel no need to collect the actual physical comics. I just want to read the stories. So I've got the Atlantis attack storyline earmarked. That's like the next big thing I'm going to read. So uh, we'll have to converse about it when I'm done and you're done with it. Yeah. Oh, so much fun. Like evolutionary war was the year beforehand. 
and I still don't, I have a lot of them. I still think, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but Atlanta's text was pretty straightforward. I knew what was going on. Yeah. And uh, the big rumor, that's what Black Panther 2 is going to be. Well, it's, yeah, I've seen some stuff about Namor being introduced to the MCU in that. So I could, more see, right with that. I could see the storyline where Namor is accusing Wakanda of stealing their technology and stuff like that. And, you know, Namor's always had to have a reason to be the bad guy. And like... And- you you being a wrestling fan, you know the best bad guys are the ones who feel like they're right. Oh, and and anything, I love it when it's I can agree with you to a certain level. Mm-hmm. So that would be I have no idea what the plot is. Eh, that's just something that popped into my head. I could see something like that playing really well. That Atlantis is mad at Wakanda for stealing technology and yada yada, or thinking they've done that. And, Oh, yeah, and, and Namor never has to be right. He just has to think he's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've all known people like that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Mickey, this has been fantastic. And I, you're right. We we recorded something quickly once before, and uh, it didn't get recorded. But <laughs> this one-on-one oh, conversation. <laughs> no, you're fine. This one-on-one has been long overdue, I think. Yeah, I do too. I wish one of my, uh, I don't like to say I have regrets, so I'm not going to say regrets, but I wish I did have more time for the Retro Network. And in saying that, as much as I try to do with it now, if I spent 60 hours a week on it, I'd never complain. I love everything we do. I love what you guys do and Adam and the gang at Wizards and just everything everybody writes. One of my Favorite things last year, maybe a little before this time last year, when I was still working nights, I would get up in the morning, I'd make a hot cup of coffee, and I would sit down and start editing posts for the website every day. And the reason I enjoyed it so much was I had first look at what people's newest creations were. Other than the author, I was the first person to get to experience it. And I just thought that was so cool you know, that I'm going to see this stuff days before anybody else. Yeah, I'm editing here and there, changing a punctuation mark, whatever. But I'm. it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like a chore. It was very enjoyable to sit down and do that every day. And I wish I had more time just for more of that stuff. I know Jason really likes the audio editing and the podcasting side of things, but Give me a bunch of retro articles to read and say I'm editing. I'd be happy all day long. Well, and I enjoy what you do for editing as well. If we're going through History Retro Network, you know, Peace of Mind goes live and I'll reread it just to kind of familiarize myself with it again. And I'll see things that have been done and think, oh, that's that works a lot better there. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. But there hasn't ever been a time where, you know, I thought, Oh, I was upset or you took away the meaning or, or anything like that. And I've written stuff for other sites, which are just, you don't want to write for them anymore right? because you have a bad experience with an editor, it, how they go about things or, or their attitude or whatever it might be. Well, but I've always I been happy with anything I've done for you guys. The biggest contribution I think I make or my biggest strength with editing is because I have read every single thing on the network and I have this 
lockbox of a memory. You know, at the end of a lot of articles when I'm editing, I put, hey, you know, for other fun toy stuff, check these out. I can recall those off top of my head. I'm like, you could write something and like your mall rats 25th anniversary thing. I get to the end of it and I'm like, okay, what other movie posts have we done? Well, let's see. Stacy's written about this and Kevin's also written about that. And there's the Butch Cassie and Sundance kid piece and the point break review. And I'm just banging those out. Like, Hey, if you like this, check these out. And I think that's one of my hidden talents is to be able to recall everything that's been posted on the network when I am editing to just tie things together with. Which honestly, that's a gift because I'm not even doing it for everyone's post there, but there's stuff that I've gone through and thought, oh, that article sounds good. And then I look, I'm like, I wrote that. I have no <laughs> record. Like, when did I do that? But I'm trying to put out so much that sometimes I do forget one that I did. Mm-hmm. No. So, Mickey, we end this podcast as we end all podcasts by you hyping up yourself. Oh. Well, I don't want to hype myself up. I just want to hype everybody up. TheRetroNetwork.com. If you're listening to this, you probably are already familiar. But it is the hub for everything Retro Network. The newest written post from a very talented and diverse group of writers and creators. You know, highlighting individual new podcasts to finding the total podcast page. Links to the videos. It is your central hub for everything Retro Network. If it happens on the network, it happens on the website. So that's the launching point for everything. As old school and old fashioned as that is, maybe we need to get an app too. I need to work on that. That'll be something to work on in the future. Like I said, what am I going to do? Call somebody up be like, hey, Eric, you got time to build us an app? No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be something that we'll just have to work on ourselves and see what happens. Well, but you put it out in the ether there, though. You never know what's going to happen now. You never know. All right. Well, geez, I feel embarrassed saying my own stuff now after you were so humble for the whole network. Oh, no, go ahead. It's your show. You can do whatever you want to. That's a good point. All right. If Mickey brought you here today and this is your first time listening to my voice, you can hear my voice and read my words on masklibrary.com. I go ahead and post a lot on comics and wrestling, uh, opening up random stuff, you know, unboxings, thrift store finds, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And I have, we're going to take a little vacation soon, but the House Show podcast on the Retro Network, which is our retro wrestling special. And God, we're almost done with Glow. Thank God. (laughs) But Mickey, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. Oh, it's my pleasure. Any, I just wish I had more time to do more of this sort of thing. I never want to say that anything is a chore with the network, but sometimes I second guess my decisions of keeping myself so busy. You know, I'm not afraid to admit it. Jason and I, we record generally on Thursday nights. Thursdays at work, I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to do the podcast tonight. (laughs) I don't want to do the podcast tonight. But you know what? It's so much fun that you show up and do it anyway. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.